Welcome to Inspired Caregiver with me, Michelle Magner. This is the podcast where people who are helping out their older family members come for information, tips, and inspiration on how to make their journey easier. Enjoy this episode of Inspired Caregiver. Well, hello, Yana. Hello, how are you, Michelle? Good, welcome. Thanks for joining me on Conversations with Caregivers. Thank you so much for having me. I'm just so honored and so blessed to be here in this space today and to share with your audience. Well, I'm very excited about our conversation. You are a secondary caregiver. I am, yeah. So I'm a secondary caregiver to my mom. Mm-hmm. Um, and we are lucky enough to take care of her parents in their older age. That's awesome. Well, why don't you introduce yourself and give us a little bit about your background? Um, yeah, totally. I don't know how far back I should go, but um, basically I am a little bit of a rebel turned life coach. Um, I grew, uh, I was born in Uzbekistan and my family moved to Atlanta, Georgia in 1994 when I was seven years old. And um, for a really long time, I just didn't feel like I fit in or I belonged. And I went on a lot of soul searching missions. I lived in Jerusalem. I moved to Brooklyn. I moved out to Maui, Hawaii. And um, during all of those times and places, I kind of just started looking a lot within and discovering different things from religion and from nature and from surfing and just, you know, being in the water. And um, eventually I ended up hiring a life coach and realized that all those things came together through the art of coaching for me and my mm-hmm. experience. So in 2019, I got certified as a life coach and now I get to bring all of those aspects of life that I've really enjoyed kind of together in my own practice and help other people along the way. And it's just such a blessing. Thank God. It's so amazing that we think we're doing all these random things and really they turn out to be leading us to something. Isn't it? It's so true. And even like in coaching, I see it as such a big step in my journey, but I also see the potential for becoming an author later on and speaking on stages. And I, I always kind of had a longing to speak on stages, but I never knew how that would end up for me or how, you know, I never saw myself oh, being can able Can you to hold go. on one second? <laughs> That's okay. So having those things all come together, they feel really random while you're doing them, but it gives you an opportunity um, when you are able to get the perspective from a coach to see how it all can fit together. Yeah, it's it's so true. It's um, definitely bringing together so many different aspects of my own life and my own experience. And you know, now seeing the evolution for me too in coaching as being the next step in my journey, I've always ever since I was younger, I always kind of wanted to be on stages and felt like mm-hmm. I had a message and wanted to be, be a public speaker of sorts and never knew how I would fit into that arena until I discovered coaching. And now I kind of have that vision too. So yeah. life is just such a process of growth, right? And evolution. And, and yeah, thank God. I'm just so lucky to experience it all. Well, and that's exactly what happened for me because I was a caregiver myself for both of my grandmothers for seven years. And then I've worked in senior living for six years. So that journey leading me to coaching has clearly evolved into how can I connect people who are in families doing in a, in a caregiving environment to with other families that are also going through it. Because it's really, really hard. And you were living in Hawaii 
most recently. It was, yeah. I've been yeah. a traveler of sorts. I lived on Maui for the last seven years. And um, you're right, I actually just moved back to Georgia. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was a twofold process, but two of the reasons being both um, both equal, but really one is like a sole reason and the other one is like, oh, okay. Mm -hmm. So one is for business growth opportunities and just being in a bigger city. And that was like, yeah, this just makes sense. It's the next step. But the other reason when I really honed into it, so my grandparents, um, their health has been declining fairly steadily over the last, I would say five, six, seven years, especially um, just in their ability to take care of themselves. Mm -hmm. um, my grandfather has been diagnosed with dementia and that's kind of setting in now way more intensely than it was, you know, a year or two right, ago, yeah. um, to the point where he really stopped driving three years ago. And, and, you know, and my grand grandmother's mind is much better, but her physical body is like, she barely gets up and goes out of the house. And I've been watching this from afar living on Maui and being a support system mm -hmm. to my mom verbally and over the phone and emotionally but there was just this calling in me recently where it was like that's not enough you know mm -hmm. like I gotta kind of almost be boots on the ground and Maui will always be there there's other islands other explorations so I think once that reason really hit home mm -hmm. I was like oh, okay well duh and then the business was like oh that's another great reason to move home and there's right. you know everything else but that was the one that really got me kind of driven to to be present here at the moment and it's been a whole eye-opening experience so far yeah. and your grandparents live in a senior living uh environment and your um but we all know that even when people aren't living actually physically with you it's still very, very challenging for that primary family caregiver. So tell a little bit more about like what your, your observation of your mother's experience has been like. Yeah. So, you know, I, I find this oftentimes with caregivers is we give all of ourselves mm. almost to any project. That's yeah, sure. My mom is a great example of that all around. But yeah, so my grandparents live, um, basically it's like individual apartment housings, but for 65 and over. Okay. And they've been there for, I mean, for 12, 15 years now. So for a little while. Um, and it's not assisted living, but they do have someone that comes in and helps them daily with meal prep and she does some of their grocery shopping. And so they barely ever have to leave their apartment um, mm -hmm. altogether. However, my mom is responsible for all of their doctor's appointments and taking them back and forth to making sure all of the medications are scheduled, making sure they actually have, you know, I mean, they're, they're, um, they're helper helps them somewhat, but my mom makes sure everything is stocked. And then right. like, if anything happened, my mom, their helper doesn't wash my grandmother. She doesn't bathe her so that my mom comes over once a week to just do the full baths for my grandma mm -hmm. who can barely move. And, um, you know, any, any kind of anything really like this weekend, yeah. my grandma got, she told my mom, everything is fine. They had enough food. And then she called her on Sunday and like my mom had plans to go to the park and my grandma was like we're hungry and we don't have any food what oh, are we no. do? so like and, and then my grandma was like really what she wanted was pizza which oh, that's so, funny. so she's like we really just want pizza can you <laughs> so but my mom is a type of person that would never be like 
no, we have a date to go to the park. I'm sure you have stuff in your fridge. Like my mom's the type that's like, okay, you want pizza? Like, well, so just redirecting all of that, you know? And so, and my mom is, also has a full-time job. She's oh, an engineer. And so in her engineering practice, she there's weeks where she's working 50 to 60 hours a week. She's been doing that and giving, you know, gives all of herself to her job mm -hmm. and then to her kids and then to her husband. And so she, I mean, she's constantly cooking, cleaning, doing everything at the house, going to work, taking it to grandma and grandpa, you know? So right. she just, she's doing everything all the time. One of the things that you had mentioned last week was as you watch your mom taking on so much and then how she's interacting with her parents, when she comes to you and she's feeling pretty exhausted because of your training as a life coach, you have this unique ability to hold space for her where I think a lot of times when that primary family caregiver goes to other family members to say, this is really hard, or I'm really exhausted, or, you know, I don't know what to do, or I'm really frustrated. People don't always have that capacity to meet them where they need to be met. So let's talk a little bit about what that's like for you. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, it's definitely the, the power, the talent, the gift of coaching has given me the ability. And I think this is Kind of a twofold thing here. I think this could be for secondary caregivers and it could be actually for the caregivers mm -hmm. as well, this piece of advice. Um, but the ability to hold space and witness someone else's discomfort without having to fix it or shift it or change it. And I think that oftentimes the reason we crave, yearn, want to be caregivers is because we are so good at mending and aiding mm. and helping and man, you know, and managing yeah. someone else's easing someone else's stress. And we almost feel like as soon as we see somebody in distress, there's like this part of us, which is so beautiful. And it comes from empathy and caring and being compassionate, but that just wants to go over there and like alleviate it. I'll bring you pizza. I'll bring you pizza. Right. I'll do anything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Whatever needs to, whatever needs to happen. And I think the one thing where, so I'll give like a, a really practical example of how this happened recent, recently, because we can talk in theory as, you know, but yeah. it will really relate to. Um, so I would say two weeks ago was my grandmother's birthday. And my grandmother is the type that she always dresses really nice, at least for her birthday. She'll put on a, a suit jacket, something, her makeup's done, earrings, mm -hmm. like a pin, like she's very, you know, she's very presentable. And um, my parents went to visit her on her birthday and she wasn't dressed up at all. Actually, like by the time they came, got over there, she was just getting ready to possibly get dressed, wasn't kind of threw something on. Mm -hmm. And the next day my mom was unwinding and I was speaking to her and my mom was like, can you just believe your grandmother isn't even getting dressed? Like her, gosh, she must be doing so bad in order to not even get dressed for her birthday, right? And... So the nature of holding space is as a coach, I see that sometimes, and people do this in so many aspects of our life, but in my mom's case, in particular, in this example, witnessing the progression of what's happening to her mother is mm -hmm. one thing. Associating a meaning of, oh, that's bad. Right. You believe that's so horrible 
is another layer that causes an additional level of pain, right? So not only are we watching like our members of our family going and doing, going through hard things, things becoming more difficult for them to do, doing new things they never would have done, that's already difficult. That already brings a level of negative emotion or misunderstanding. And then on top of that, my puppy's talking. That's okay. I have one in here too. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then on top of that, we also are like, oh, that's bad. And that's another Mm. layer of like, I've lost control. Look at what's happening. The world shouldn't be this way. My mother shouldn't be like that. She should be dressed and put together on her birthday, right? And so we like double our pain. And I saw that, but I can't. So this is the idea of holding space. I can't be like, well, mom, look at what you're doing to yourself. You're just making it worse than it has to be, right? I could have jumped in, I could have, but what coaching has taught me is to hold the space and first and foremost, allow my mom to vent Mm -hmm. and like allow my mom that space to just feel bad and disappointed and have her observations of the situation before we ever try to shift anything or get her to a different place. And then what I did next was after sitting with her and allowing her to vet was really try to shift the question. Like, instead of saying, see what you're doing, try to lead her through questioning to discovering for herself that there was this twofold duality happening, you know? And at the end of the day, we ended up discussing how like, she was asking me, she was like, so when you go see grandpa and he just can't remember anything anymore, he asks Mm -hmm. you the same question over and over, grandma's not dressed. She's like, it doesn't bother you. And I was like, 100%, it bothers me. Mm-hmm. But I don't let that bothersome feeling affect me in a way where it changes, like where I bring that stress home into my other activity. I feel mm-hmm. the fact that it's bothering me. I don't try to, I see that grandpa's losing his memory and I feel how, like, it's hard. It's really, right. really hard to witness. But I witness it and I witness it fully and I look into the world and I say, this is normal too. This is who grandpa is now. This is okay. And yes, this bothers me and that's okay. I don't have to fix it. I just have to be with it, right? I just have to hold space for him to be that way. And that was a big shift for my mom. And, and you know, and I, and doing that in a way that wasn't like, look, mom, there's a better alternative. Right rather than like, I just, I want to invite you to possibly see it this way. And I think we as secondary caregivers have a really big responsibility to not put more additional stress <laughs> on our first caregiver because they're already bearing usually the brunt of so much. So like, if you're going to be the one that creates emotional space for your family members, maybe sometimes what they need is just the physical help. Hey, can you go run? Can you go do something? But if you're going to be there to support them emotionally, it's so incredible to be able to witness someone's discomfort, witness yourself getting uncomfortable mm-hmm. while they're having discomfort and just letting that all be okay with love and compassion and curiosity rather than needing to change anything right away, which I think is actually like somewhat opposite to our nature as caregivers, right? right? Yeah. You're right. I mean, we're, we're kind of we start off as people pleasers. Like we just want to help. We just want to make it better. And the thing about aging is aging is not a diagnosis. 
and while we can make choices that will make things um, outcomes be more successful, like we can't cure it, we can't help it per se, um, aging. That's one of my favorite coach uh, questions as a coach is what are you making this mean? Or what do you think that means? Um, so I love that you brought that into the conversation at the beginning, like, so she didn't get dressed. Okay. So that's one thing is to observe the change or the shift and then to start thinking, well, what do you think that means? Or what are you making that mean? And the thing is, is developmentally, uh, we're taught that we have developmental phases through infancy into adulthood. But then there's this concept that once we've reached adulthood, we've, that's it, we've plateaued. But actually, you know, through my studies in gerontology, we can, there's continues to be developmental phases. Right. And there is, you know, people's interests change. It's very hard to see someone that you love who used to do something or enjoy something, no longer enjoy that thing. My mother-in-law has dementia and she's always loved our animals. And it was really hard the day that she came over and she was kind of like nudging the dog out of her way. She didn't, didn't really want it by her. So again, just observing, okay, there's a shift here. There's something has changed. And how do we just honor the change? Right. And you know, it's, it's almost because I work with clients from all walks of life. And mm -hmm. I mean, I'm, and usually my clients are um, working on one of two things, I would say. It's usually some kind of business project, business growth, new entrepreneurial opportunity. They've never done it before. And they hire a coach because all the stuff comes up when you start becoming an right. entrepreneur. Yes. And most of us coaches are entrepreneurs. So it's like, oh, okay, they've kind of done that. Let me see what they know, right? Um, or the other biggest reason, which I actually find most of my people hire me is because there's some kind of relationship in their life that they want mending with, that they want fixing with, that they want to better, that they want to strengthen. And um, maybe it's because I'm, I'm not like a big pushy business coach that that get more of the relationship people, you know, but I, I just, I, to me, the power of relationships, relationship building is just so exquisite because I truly believe that when you have the right relationships in your life, when you can surround yourself with the right relationships and all the other stuff kind of falls into place. Yeah. You're more likely to have the support to start your own business and the confidence and the people cheering you on, right? You're more, so that's kind of the, the focus in me, but whether my clients are coming to me for business opportunities or relationship opportunities, or in your case, whether they're coming to you to, hey, how can I be a better caregiver? How can I hold mm -hmm. space more? How can I self-care more while I'm a caregiver? Right. I would always say, no matter what your thing is, no matter what you're working on, when you can be with the uncomfortable emotions that are associated with that thing, that project. So usually for relationship, it means looking within yourself and saying, hey, where am I contributing to the problem, not the solution? Right. Or maybe where am I getting myself involved where not listening to the red flags? That could be really uncomfortable work to do, right? But those emotions are so powerful. And even if it's business growth, like I just got off the phone with a client and we were talking about why she's not recording videos for her program. There's nothing to do with the technical aspect. It's all about, well, 
what are, what are, when I have to, when I, once I record it, people will see what my voice is like and they're going to, right? So it's like, again, a confidence thing or, but it's your relationship and, and coming to and sitting with those negative emotions lets you see the underlying deeper thing, the bigger mm -hmm. meaning, the, how you can be an asset, not like a quick solution, not like a quick fix asset but really, really impactful in the longer run to those around you. And sometimes it's the hardest work we do as ourselves as caregivers because we're constantly coming up in the world with situations that aren't the most pleasant, right. aren't the most pleasing. And I think that the more powerful we can become in embracing that, that other, the part of the life that is more filled with sadness and disappointment and frustration and shame the more that we can dive in there and be willing to feel all of it and see how those moments are also our teachers and our guides in life the more we'll be better at whatever we do whether it's a business whether it's a relationship whether it's being a caregiver right. if we don't run away from those harsh negative emotions or moments it's almost like what could stop us we would become unstoppable right well, and relationships are so fluid and dynamic and they evolve. So we need to evolve with them. So once you have an awareness of this concept of holding space, I mean, it's worth exploring. Like if that's a new phrase for you, you've never heard it before, you know, unpack it a little bit and see, see what, what you can learn about it and how you can apply it. And I think, you know, you mentioned, um, the doing things for people as, as something that can be valuable as a secondary caregiver. I'm going to do a podcast on this. Everybody tends to settle into roles that they play within the family, within the situation. So someone in the family may be really good at all the paperwork and finance aspect of it. Um, if you are, are blessed to be able to delegate some of those things as a primary family caregiver, take it take people up on that, you know, but then if they are unable to sit and hold the hand of someone during an appointment, don't get mad at them or judge them or get frustrated with them. Just be grateful that the peace in the relationship that they're good at, they're willing to participate in. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, it's, it's almost like a, a twofold nature. So I'm going to just use the example of my mom again. Mm -hmm. I love her and yeah. she, would, uh, she would be willing um, to put her name behind this and but this time I'm, I'm almost going to once again as caregivers and someone like my mom which I find a lot of caregivers in this category it's almost like it's our responsibility right we take everything right. upon us we want to we want to help and contribute and almost like do everything I think one part of that, especially for my mom, and I think for a lot of caregivers, where that comes from is this place of being so confident in yourself, knowing that you're going to do it right. Right. Like people will get the utmost best care. It comes from a place of like, I just know that if like, I trust myself to do this, I trust myself to succeed. I want to be, you know, the one on the other hand, the, the consequence of that is that you end up not trusting other people. Right. And that relying on your assets and on your resources. And once again, that's a, that's a uncomfortable feeling to have, right? What if I delegate this to my daughter? What if I ask my husband to help me with this and they say no, or they screw it up 
or they screw it up even worse. Right. Exactly. Right. Like that's, you know, and so how, so for someone like my mom, me and my sister to this day, and it's not an automatic shift, right? I can't like, it's not like something, but to this day, we're still like, mom, it's okay. You don't have to do everything. Mm -hmm. Don't worry. Like part of the reason I moved home is so that my mom hasn't taken a vacation in three years, because what if my grandma falls down that right. weekend? And what if something happens? She's we're 15 minutes down the street, at least we could be there. And so she's going on vacation for the first time in three years with her and her husband, you know, and for four days. And it's like, all the switches are going, right? Right. What if, what if this happens and are right. you sure girls, are you going to be able to do this? What if this happens? What if that happens? And it's like, it's okay. It's, it's okay. Right. And I think if you're a primary caregiver and especially if you are lucky enough to have support systems in your life and have other people that are willing to do so, one spot to really check in is to say, why am I not reaching out to other people? Mm-hmm. Like, where is that coming from within me? What's the place? What's the motivation? And is that serving me? Right. And could I really be a better caregiver if I allowed the people who are saying, hey, you know, they they want to help. The other thing that I would say is exactly what you were saying. Me and my sister have extraordinarily different strengths and talents. Mm -hmm. We both can do the other one's job, but it's not as enjoyable for each. So... I love holding space. I'm the coach. I love sitting. I'm patient. So I'll go over and sit with my grandparents for an hour. And my grandpa will just ask me the same question every five minutes over and over. And I just answer it again and again and again. You're all in. I practice. I'm like, what's another creative way? What's, you know, like, right. I make it like a fun thing. Like I have no expectation. This is what's going to happen. You know, my grandpa's thing now is like, when are you going to have kids? So I'm always like, well, we got to talk to God. We got to find the husband. We got to, right. you know, like, how many times, how many different ways can I put it? But that's like his number one question all the time. I'm like, my sister's like, I don't know how you deal with that. And I'm like, girl, you went to three stores, you picked up four different things that they had on their wants list, you drove all over town, you took grandma to the doctor's appointment, you filled out all the paperwork. I was like, I'd much rather sit in the same room as grandpa for an hour and listen to him ask me the exact same question over and over than go all over town doing all the to-dos, right? Both things need to be done. Right. But it's like, how do you plug in? So if you are that primary caregiver and you possibly have to, so like when this, the pizza thing happened on Sunday, thank God my mom's learning, but she had other projects and she had stuff for work and food to cook mm -hmm. for the house. So she, at first she asked me if I could pick up a pizza and I could not because I had clients that day. Mm -hmm. So then she went to the next, like, then she went to her husband, you know what I mean? Good but for her. Totally learning and we were able to manage and they were able to get to the park and it was no big deal, yeah. right? But you, at first it's like that instant reflux of like, first it's like, okay, our, let's retrace our whole conversation oh my gosh, this happened to grandma. Can you believe that she told me she had food and now she needs pizza? I can't believe this is happening, <laughs> right? Like, ah, all the flags going off. Yeah. I feel the discomfort in this. That's okay. This is grandma. This is who grandma is now. This is where she is. Holy moly, I got to take care of everything. I can't. I already have other things to do, right? The next train of thought. Right. So, And then it's like a choice. Am I going to go take care of this now? 
or am I going to see what my resources are? Or is it even appropriate for me to hold space and say, you know what, maybe this project isn't the best project or the best use of my time and grandma's mm -hmm. going to be fine and maybe she doesn't need the pizza and me going to the park is going to create so much more enjoyment for me and more fuel for me this weekend so I can be a better caregiver all week long. Right. right? And that's that, that's the power to me of coaching and having a coach working with a coach like you or myself and in any facet of what you're working on. Sometimes we take choices, mm -hmm. and make decisions and take action. And then it's only in retrospect, can we unwind it all, unpack yeah. it, see why we did the things we did and then choose more consciously. Like, is that the way I want to run this next time? Right. Is that the way. And, and I think when life throws us things like taking care of an elderly parent or you know someone we've loved in our lives not only are there so many physical things that we have to do as caregivers but then there's that whole emotional mental yeah. everything else we go through like why not have someone in your pocket helping you on the sidelines through that process right yeah and and allowing them to do it their way Right. It doesn't have to be done your way. Cause maybe the answer is, um, I can't bring you a pizza and Yana can't bring you a pizza now, but we can bring you a pizza at six 30. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. And letting that mold and that conversation unfold yeah. rather than like first instinct, which might be, Oh, I have to go drop everything. And how many caregivers do I know in my own life? Right. Mm -hmm. Let me just drop all of my boundaries, all of my projects, everything that I had going for today, because I have, it's out of, it's almost like, um, it's something that's really hard for me too. Cause I do, I still, I was working on it with my coach today, but I still have this complex of like, oh, I have to save the world. I have to make the world a better place. Yeah. Right. Versus no, the world is beautiful and exquisite and, and wonderful and mystical. And I don't understand it all. And if I look at all of history and humanity, there's never been a time where the world has been perfect. <laughs> there's yeah. always, right. Like we've always, right. maybe I should just settle into the world the way that it is and still make it a great world, still contribute, still take positive action, but I don't have to run anywhere to make anything perfect. Right. I just have to do my best today, right? It's kind of like, a, that's if anyone has coaching for me on that one, that's what I'm working <laughs> <laughs> Well, and that's how it is as a caregiver and that's how it is as someone aging. So, you know, one of the big things I'm super passionate about is shifting our narrative of how we're aging in our country and how it's the, the it's handled, um, the caregiver experience, what that can look like for people. And just knowing that it's never been perfect or amazing or, you, you know, uh, and, and there's just, there's so much room for opportunity. It doesn't have to be one way. So if you feel like you are just down a path right now of I'm the primary family caregiver and nobody's helping me. And, you know, hopefully this conversation has sparked just a, a thought that something could be different, that you can maybe handle a situation differently or bring in different resources to help support you. Um, like there's almost no rule book 
it's like there's no rules on how to do this. <laughs> right, right. You know, it's yeah. One of the other clients that I find myself working with a lot is um, parenting relationships. Because mm -hmm. I was such a rebel in my teens, I actually don't have kids, but I find that I'm such a great intermediary between like teenagers, especially, and especially rebelling teenagers and their parents. Because now I'm a life coach. Now I'm totally on the other side. I, you yeah. know, like now I help and mentor youth. But then on the other hand, I totally get what they're going through and whatnot. And I always tell my parents, like, y'all, nothing has gone wrong. Like there is no <laughs> parenting manual. And what? Yes, there's a hundred million parenting experts, and they're all going to tell you that they figured out a way. But I've read so many of the books and what's in one book is contradicting the other and right. has a philosophy and what we did years ago is not the same thing that we're going to do tomorrow. And it's not the same thing we're going to do 100 years from now. And I think that's the evolution, right? It's, it's the best thing that we can be an expert in is our own experience. Oh, that's such a good quote. That's so good. <laughs> Thank you. I love that. Well, there is no caregiver manual. And I think that we're going to get back to a more intergenerational experience. There are other cultures that continue to embrace that philosophy, but the way things have shifted in America is uh, when people spread out and took to the suburbs, it really started to fall just on one sibling mm -hmm. um, and one potentially, like I was the grandchild that uh, I, I didn't feel like it fell on me. It felt like a blessing for me, but I just think it's really great that you were able to move back to be with your mom and your grandparents. And what a joy for you though, to also be participating in this phase of their life. Right. It's hard. No, it's so I, and I'll just be super authentic with your audience. I actually, this is still something that like, I'm still working on my coach with and getting coaching on, but so for the last 10 years of my life, I've embraced, and I might generalize here with like feminine, masculine, I'm talking about energies or mm -hmm. kind of ideologies. I do believe that women have masculine energies and men have feminine. It's, you know, it's, but just, you'll see what I'm talking about. I have been living on my own successfully out of the house, earning great income, doing my thing. I mean, I lived in Maui on, on my own. I run my own business. I'm doing the jam thing. I'm totally in this feminist movement of empowered yeah. women living by themselves, having their own jobs. I don't need a man holding it down, right? right? And now I just created this shift where I moved home and I knew that initially like, okay, I'm going to move into Atlanta and I'm going to settle in with my folks and three months or so uh, they have a huge house. It's the house I grew up in when I was in high school, there's plenty of room. And, um, and then I was like, I'll just, but it's my family. I'm not going to, I'm a, I'm a grown woman. Uh -huh. I'm a business woman. I know how to pay my bills. Right. Uh -huh. And it's almost this like facade that I think that in society, we have created where if you're living with your parents at a certain age, past a certain age, like you're irresponsible, you haven't made it, you're not, you know, you're not a confident out there, strong, powerful female leader, especially. And if you're a man, that's even way worse, right? right. There's <laughs> movies about it. Right. There's so many movies about <laughs> it. And so we've kind of demonized 
keeping the family unit together, like a strong family unit that actually, so I moved to Georgia. I haven't lived with my family like this in seven years and 10 years, sorry. Um, And I've been on Maui for seven and I was like, I'm going to move out. I'm going to be, and I want to be half an hour down the street in the city. And now I'm like, I don't want to go anywhere. And my mind is like, because this is the coolest thing. I have the coolest relationship with my family. I love it. My sister is in college in Blacksburg, Virginia, but because of COVID and other stuff, she's been spending a lot of time at home this semester. Her classes are online. So we're like this one big, I mean, it's just four of us, but it feels like a Brady Bunch family. We're all so supportive. There's always someone. And I'm thinking about it and I'm like, up until like the 50s, 60s, 70s, Like it was so normal for families to stay together and for, it's not like, and so we had a whole conversation with my mom. I was like, you know what? I might stay a little bit longer, but I'm going to pay rent. You know, like I did my, like, this is not a free for all. I want to get, I'm going to buy groceries. And she was like, yeah, and you're allowed to have friends, like treat this house, like your house, like you're a grown adult setting those boundaries. But then in the back of my mind, I'm like, wait, what are people going to think about me? Yeah. I'm 33 years old and I'm living with my family, you know, like, yeah. and it's this back and forth and coming into that identity shift of, of maybe that's another cultural barrier. Like you're saying that we're coming back to and understanding that part of our rejecting of our family is almost like to write or almost in part of this independence movement that we've like almost created a false sense of wanting to reject our family almost right. to justify why we have to be so far away or far removed or why it ends up being on the one sibling that happened to stay closer right right yeah. and this, and this kind of and like if we mend that relationship first from day one and just work on enjoying time with our family the whole unit no matter where they are How is that going to further evolve when the caregiving situation arises? It just, it makes it so much easier. Makes it so much easier. So much easier. So now we're like, because my parents are already converting a whole other room to where eventually my grandparents will move in. Because for us, it's it's like a nursing home was just, for us, thank God we're in the place and resources and space where Mm -hmm. that's not an option unless it's a real like last minute option, you know, or kind of... And so we're thinking about how do we convert a room that's going to be on the bottom, all this stuff. And I'm like, cool, I can totally see it. Like the whole thing, like, like almost that ancient tribal, the whole family, but not because like, because we love each other because that is what families do. And because we do support each other throughout all generations to be in this house for the next, like, I'm almost like, I could just totally live here till I get married. I'm cool with that. And yeah. that's what people used to do. That's what we used to do. And it's, it's, it's like a get to instead of a have to. Yeah. Like I get to. And it's so, and I'm definitely over the place in my life where like, I haven't had roommates in years because I'm not, you know what I mean? I'm past roommates. I'm not quite a family of my own. Yeah. And I'm like, oh yeah. The one living situation that has felt so right recently, the only one that I've had in the past seven years has been the one that I love, like the one that's my family. And it's, so it's a very interesting, so even I think too, now this phenomenon is happening a lot too, maybe for college students that are moving in, like, especially I hear the statistics now my sister is saying are huge for way more people in their twenties and thirties returning back to their family homes 
And I think it's just such a perspective shift on like, if you go in there with like, oh, I have to, and this is it, and this is what I'm forced to do. And especially if there's any kind of caregiving situation in that household, how much more resentful are you gonna be? And how, what kind of energy are you gonna approach the caregiving, the relationship with your family? Right. Versus coming into the home now and being like, you know what, yes. Families get old. Yes, we have differences of opinions. Yes, people are going to be themselves and it might bother me. And that's okay. I'm so grateful to have this opportunity. I'm so grateful to be here. How much more different are your actions, your family relationships going to end up being, right? Right. Well, and you and I know from our training that it all stems from your thoughts. Yeah. It completely stems from your thoughts. So if your thoughts about the situation and the cohabitating, if, if they're supportive and encouraging and positive, then you're going to just have a completely different experience. And if it's full of resentment and anger and frustration um, and self-doubt and those things. So and your family's so lucky that you are so enlightened and we're ready to move back and be helpful. Uh, I, well, you know what? I will say the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. I'm really lucky because <laughs> family definitely created this space for me to be. The one thing that my mom actually a little owed to her on it's International Women's Day. Oh, that's right. So, yes. So I recorded a video last year. I was watching it this morning, but I did a little ode to my mom on International Women's Day. And I think this is still so true. It has always been, it will be, but I think part of the reason why I, have become the woman that I am is because one thing that my mom did is even though she was always of service to so many people in her life, she also had this beautiful capacity to love and appreciate people as they were mm-hmm. and just allow people to be authentically themselves. Yeah. It doesn't mean she made everyone her best friend, but she just was able to. So especially when it came to me as a daughter and my rebelling and I think if she pushed harder on me or try to put me in a box more, I wouldn't be able to have discovered my own inner wisdom and power, but she actually gave me so much space. Like, obviously she kept me safe and she made sure mm-hmm. when I was really rebelling that I wasn't going to end up in jail or I want to have another conversation offline. <laughs> just on, right. Just on that part. I know you should be my mom. She's great. Um, but what she did was always like, okay, cool. You have an art passion project. Great. You want to do guitar lessons. Great. I mean, for my graduation present, she sent me to, I graduated high school. I went to an alternative high school. Great. I graduated half a year early. I found my thing. She sent me to Amsterdam with friends to go visit mm-hmm. like a, a, like a concert experience that I, like she gave me so much freedom and liberties to pursue the things that I wanted. Yeah. Want to move to Maui? Great. Want to become a life coach? Great. Like yeah. she's always like, how can I help you? You know, even when it was really difficult for her, because she, for her, it would have been much easier if I was like, yes, I'm going to go become an engineer, work a nine to five. I'm going to live nearby, you know, like I will live the cookie cutter life. Instead, she got this daughter that's like a total free spirit. But if she didn't give me that space to, to be, I, I wouldn't have learned the power of holding space. Right. Right. Yeah. And being, well, and you're bringing all that goodness to the table as this fam part of this family unit. It's like a, yeah to help with your grandparents. Yeah, it's definitely a 
a, yeah. And it's interesting. Now I get to hold space for my mom, right. Mm-hmm. And support her. Cause, and I think that's the other thing too, like you were saying about our thoughts, creating our results, right. Mm-hmm. It's the other thing that happens as we're caregivers, right? Like my mom's thoughts and what I'm making it mean about my grandma not putting on an outfit, right? Create a whole different trigger for her than my thoughts of, yeah, that's normal. Right. That's okay. But I think that we as secondary caregivers, just because sometimes our our level is twice removed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, yes. Right. It's almost like the power of a coach. Like a coach is not in the pool with the, like the coach is not going through the same emotional frustration situation that the client's going through. Totally. So they're able to take a step back and say like, yes, but I see this from another point of view. Totally. And I think as secondary caregivers, if you have other people in that space that are in that role, one of the things that I'll say is like, just make sure that you're noticing too, that you might not be as triggered as that primary person and, and that's okay. Like how, how can you play with that rather than saying like, oh, I don't feel this way. How, how come you feel so triggered by, right? Right, absolutely, absolutely. As, cause since I was the caregiver for my grandparents and I had that generation removed, I didn't have all that baggage of my grandmothers uh, as my mother, you know what I mean? And so um, I just had a different capacity to do whatever they needed in in the time that they needed it and not be judgy about it of myself, I guess, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, So that's such a really brilliant point. So if you're a secondary caregiver, don't just be confused or accusatory as to why the primary caregiver is having the experience or the feelings that they're having. Just understand that you're just in a different space because either you're a generation removed or situationally removed from the circumstance. Right. right, like it could be, I wasn't even there. I didn't see what it was like for grandma not to be dressed. Maybe she right. looked more deflated. Maybe mom had just come home from that experience and just needed to vent and tomorrow, she, you know, but it's so true. Like, and that's just advice you can have for anything in life. Yeah, right? <laughs> across the board. Yeah. Space and grace. Space and grace. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. So tell us about the program that you have running um, coming up. So if someone wants to yeah. work with you or participate in um, something that you've got going. Yeah, totally. So um, for since 2019, I've been coaching just one-on-one clients and it has been an absolute joy. And one of the things that I've been seeing and and really noticing and really enjoying is being people's very first coach Mm. um, who have never worked with a coach. And what I've been finding is like the first six to eight weeks working with my one-on-one clients who have never worked with a coach before is a lot of very common things are coming up, right? Like, wait, what do you mean my thoughts create my results? Like something like that just takes a little bit of time. Whereas if you work with someone who's been in the coaching field for a really, really long time, for them, it's like, yeah, thoughts create my results. Totally. I get it. Let's plug this into the mod, right? Like, right. So it's a whole different lingo. It's a whole different talk. And what I realized is what happens in those first six to eight weeks of coaching, everyone in the world should have, like, I don't care who you are. I don't care whether you ever will work with a coach or not. I personally believe it's the stuff we should be teaching our kids alongside like history and mathematics from a really young age. Right. 
So I've been thinking about how can I create that and give that gift to as many people as possible, make it extraordinarily affordable and all that jazz. And yeah, so I basically created um, this year, it's my first time running and I'm in the middle of the first beta round now. Um, it's a six week workshop, it's called Integrate. And it's basically kind of the basics of something you would pull out of any coaching program mm -hmm. um, on thoughts, emotions, goal setting, failure, holding space, processing emotions, created in such a way that the weeks build one on top of the other. Um, and it's a six week, I call it integrate because I truly believe that it's a process take time and so many coaches like I'm a big Tony Robbins fan that's how I kind of joined the whole world but Tony's programs are like you go for a four-day weekend and then you're on fire and then it's like fizzles out yes I believe it's almost like there's a reason that colleges make you take a class for a semester and so these basics and we kind of build them on with so it basically has pre-recorded three weekly classes that are um just drop in you can watch them anytime throughout the week those have worksheets and journaling exercises and prompts that i teach all of my clients to do but that are just available to you to do anytime okay and then we do group coaching inside and as i'm running this program i really want to learn like how can I edit this and alter this to, so I'm not rolling it out officially until next year. So as I'm doing these small little beta launches, I'm also offering three one-on-one -on -one coaching sessions with me during uh, my time too. Amazing. The experience for people. And so I can really see like, if I miss something in the program, I want to make sure you get it. So as I'm doing that, so it's basically comprehensive. It has the teaching, the classes, the modules. It has the um, group coaching experience. So you know you're not alone. You can mm -hmm. interact with other people and see that we're all going through the same thing in different <laughs> facets or ways or another. And the final part of it is to really have that one-on-one -on -one coaching experience to where if you do have something that's really vulnerable or you don't want to share in a group aspect, I've got you. And I'll be there to help with that too. So um, yeah, that's um, going to be my next group is starting. I think it's going to be late April, mid to late April. But um, the information for that is on my website, yannadasheskycoaching.com. And there's a little tab that says integrate and you can get in touch with me there and um, sign up for a little discovery call to see if the program's a good fit or a match for you. I just want to make sure that it's the right fit for everyone that signs up. So we do have a little 30 minute one-on-one -on -one pre-call, absolutely free, just so you can meet me, I can meet you. And we talk about all the things and yeah, so that's what's going on. And if you know, you're like, oh yeah, I love coaching. I want coaching. Then my one-on-one -on -one coaching package would probably be the better aspect um, for my other offer, which is overall my favorite work. It's just one-on-one well, -on -one clients. I love it. I love this and I love what you've put together because I think a lot of people may be intimidated by the concept of coaching. So to have a program, a workshop, that's almost, it sounds like coaching 101 just, and, and I'm telling you the transformation that people are going to get in that with you from just those six to eight weeks, like you said, everybody should have it. Everybody yeah. should have it because it's, it's the fundamentals. That's, yeah, and I've also included a whole time hack um, seminar in there too. It's like an extra masterclass for how to become an intentional planner and, and use your time to your advantage. There's a whole goal setting aspect on it for when you want to set goals. And then 
one of my personal favorite things, but this is like bonus stuff is, so I lived in Jerusalem for a year. I mm -hmm. love Jewish mysticism and Kabbalah. Mm -hmm. And to me, the Kabbalah is like personal development 101. So the last part of the program, I actually teach like three little classes that are my favorite lessons in Kabbalah and spirituality and oneness and even our emotional body, according to the Kabbalah. So we get into Jewish mysticism. So it's like, it's, it's really my heart just pouring out and I want to yes. give it to as many people as possible. So yeah, the cost will never be more than I right now it's 180 I think the next round will probably be 250 and I don't think it'll ever 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 be more than 360 because it's just, so much value though it's I mean yeah I just wanted to like I want to I was like thinking like I need people to invest I need them to put something down so it's not you know I almost want to make it for free so I was like what's the line where I feel like I spent a lot of money on dinner <laughs> like going yeah, out yeah. and I was like $250 is like a lot of money if I'm just going out by myself like I really treated myself I was like okay yeah. that's gonna be the range of what I want the program to be so like you feel like there's investment there's some you know but it's not like anything like more than a nice dinner that you can give to yourself well I'm telling you if someone's listening to this 10 years from now first I agree you got to have some skin in the game but it's so scalable right that value ladder yeah. So if uh, they go to your website and they see that this is now a $2,500 course, just don't be surprised because there's so much value. Right. Well, I, I really, my mission with it actually is to like, I almost one day, the, the way that I see it is almost, I wish I could have it be a phone app for $2.99 yeah. that you can pay monthly or something to where you could have like coaching at your fingertips. Like I like the way that I see coaching now, the power of coaching, I seriously think it could, it is not the solution to, but like the, the space, the bubble, the container that you can go to discover your own solutions basically mm -hmm. to any problem that might come into your life. Your yeah. coach is just holding that space. So it's like, coaching isn't going to solve anything for me. It's just going to help me get to where I want to go, like 10x, way right. faster, you know, more confidently, more happily with more joy. And if more people in the world are doing that, like that is a better world. <laughs> that is yeah. a, like, if we we're are solving problems, that way. right, right. Like how, if we are not, if we're living in a mindset of helping each other and and abundance if we all are walking around feeling abundant confident willing to give compassionate like our cup is full and runneth over like we can eliminate so many of the world's problems without even trying to focus on the problem right yeah right i love so, that yeah well thank you thank you this was so fun i am so grateful we connected and yeah. thank you so much i can't well, wait and join us on clubhouse right tomorrow yeah tomorrow well tuesdays at 11 a that's another thing i have tuesdays at 11 a.m eastern standard time mm -hmm. uh, every single tuesday i have a room called ask a coach live so yeah. you can follow me on clubhouse at yana dashevsky and it's basically a space you can come into to experience the power of coaching you raise mm -hmm. your hand there's always a panel of coaches that are willing to coach you on life love business anything else so if you're like i'm not sure what can coaching do for me with this problem come to ask a coach live and let us show you beautiful well thank you